Hello, this is the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church in Glenpool, Oklahoma. I'm Pastor Mike Branch, and I hope you're encouraged by the message from God's Word today. Let's go ahead and get started. Ephesians 2, 19-21 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. And what this is pointing to is that once you have reconciled to God, you're home. Like you have found your home. You're no longer uh, apart from God. So you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is being joined or fitted together, and it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's a pretty cool scripture when you consider everything that it's uh, talking about. God is building a structure with a purpose that is meant for eternity. And we are still in the, um, the period in which that structure is growing, as it mentions there. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And uh, it consists of both Old Testament saints, okay, and the prophets, and then it consists of the apostles in the Gospels, and then, of course, those who are the recipients of grace, which are you and I, and Paul called that a mystery, okay? And he was called to the Gentiles himself, and he calls it a mystery. And so we have to understand this first, that we, as the body of Christ, are a part of something very very special, and it's eternal. We can we can never let that escape our, our thinking or our purpose on this earth, is that our mission isn't just for this time here, but our mission is for eternity. By God's design, we have a specific purpose in time on this earth. And the church, the body of Christ, is not a spectator event. Okay, It's not something you just show up once a week, but rather it should actually drive everything that we do, our relationship to Christ and how that fleshes out as the body of Christ. Our, our vision and our mission here at Bright Star have to reflect that we understand that, that we know it, that we believe it, and that we're wholeheartedly dedicated to what God created us for, all right, and the purpose of the church. So next week, we're going to talk about the Bright Star Vision on Vision Sunday, um, and that's going to consist, the way I describe it, would be the areas of ministry uh, that we look forward to in the future, okay? So um, so the areas of ministry, the special needs and, uh, and the, the arts and discipleship, those things that we're going to focus on and, and interact with our community around the church, those things are where we're headed vision-wise, but today, I want to talk about what will be true about us from week to week, from day to day, from month to month. What will be true, what will be said is true about Bright Star Bible Church, okay? The heart of the church. And we have to start with the why. Why we even exist. And, and, uh, and the question always, bless you, the question always comes up, uh, first and foremost, when someone's planting a church and you look around and you see a church on every corner, why do we need another church, right? Fair question. That's a fair question. So for me, it started with that question, but that question was driven by a statement that Jesus himself made in Matthew chapter 16, 
uh, verses 17 and 18, Matthew 16, 17 and 18, it says this, And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which is Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven, revealed this to you. I also say to you that you are Peter, and he uses specifically uses the word Petros, which is a pebble, and he says, but I say to you that upon this Petra, this revelation knowledge from God to man, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he's saying that, that, that the, the truth that is revealed to man from God, that revelation, is the foundation upon which the church will be built. Many wrongly believe that it was Peter that the church would be built upon, but he specifically used two different words. He said, you're a little pebble, Peter, but I'm going to use you in order to uh, reveal my plan and my word, not just him, but all the disciples, including uh, Paul later on, and I am going to reveal to you my word uh, for mankind, my works and my word and everything that I'm planning on doing in the future. And, and of course, we know that to be the Word of God that we hold in our hands. So that is the revelation, the rock upon which the church, this, this temple that is being built in the Lord, that is what it is built upon. We have to understand that. So that question then, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the, um, the, the statement led me down this path of thinking through as... God has called me to do what he's called me to do in being a church planter, it led me to this next question, which is this. And maybe you've asked this question. As you look around, based upon what Christ said, is the modern day church institution in America fulfilling what Jesus himself intended for us to be when he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not rebel against it. Are we actually fulfilling his intention for the body of Christ within this country, within the United States of America, the American church, all right? And then that question led me to an observation. When you ask that question, you begin looking around at all the churches around you and the churches that you're involved in, you know, when you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into a local church, and you ask that question, then you begin to observe, well, are we doing that? And all evidence, to me, pointed to the fact and of course, what I'm saying is there are exceptions, and there are many, many good local churches out there, so I'm not church bashing. But what I'm saying is there's this spirit that is driving most churches today, and, uh, and they don't even realize that they're caught up in it. And I would say they're operating under the influence. Well, under the influence of what? Well, they're operating under the influence of the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world, and the world's ways, okay? So... Uh, some church establishments and denominations are driven by the culture of the world, which is a problem because the Bible says the God of this world is who? Satan. So if, they're, if they're, their church is driven by the culture of the world, and we are, and Satan is the God of this world, then you can see how some wires might get crossed and we can start putting emphasis on on the wrong things. I guess my arms work as an antenna or something. It just picks up this, uh, maybe we'll get a good 80s rock station coming in here in a minute. So uh, also, some church establishments and denominations are driven by, not the spirit of the age or the spirit of the world, but they're driven by church culture, 
which which is derived over a period of time, and and uh, it is, it is uh, they value religious traditions of men, or they value worldly devices of men rather than the truth of the Word of God. Okay. Um, Today, we're much more likely to see church services that look more like a Post Malone concert than they do, uh, you know, actual worship, you know, what, what Christ intended the church to be. I, my, I, I actually used that for my girls because I thought they might be proud of me because I have no idea who Post Malone is. <laughs> uh, but I looked up top 40 artists and he was number one on the list, so there you go. There, you see the divine uh, inspiration that I have when I'm preparing sermons. Uh, is of Mr. Google or Dr. Google, right? So uh, in years past, though, in my younger years, uh, before I had this biblical revelation in my life and I realized that, that everything should be based and centered within Scripture, I too fell into this church philosophy, and maybe you've been there as well. Um, let, let me name a few points of things that I bought into. That the church needed to be culturally relevant, that we needed to do things to attract people in. Okay? The church should in some way reflect in a positive way the things that the world was already into. Okay, So that, let's say music, if we could redeem the music, we could take the world's music and redeem it. Maybe change it from, uh, you know, change the lyrics a little bit and, and, and uh, you know, make it cool. Okay, um, We see that all the time. Uh, with the Christian t-shirts, like one of my favorites, instead of Harley Davidson, it says, Heavenly Dying Son. Alright, so uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite Christian t-shirts. So uh, we like to take things of the world and just twist it a little bit because we think that we're taking something culturally cool and we're making it cool, but it's not cool, it's just cheesy, right? It's just, it, uh, we, we serve the creator of the, the cosmos and, uh, and he can, he's creative and we can be creative and we can come up with our own stuff, right? We don't have to always rip off what the world's throwing out there. All right? The church should try to get the lost in the building with seeker-friendly services. So what we've done is dumb down the message. We don't say anything that might offend. We have this rock music, you know, and, and, and crazy music uh, and, and light shows and all of that. And here's the deal. My intentions were pure, but I was dead wrong. Now let me make something clear. There's nothing wrong with all of that stuff in and of itself. What's wrong with it is when, uh, your, when your motivation and your purpose gets lopsided and you begin to do things for the wrong reasons. So if you get the the main thing, the main thing, and, and this other so so if I take if I take one of these kids out for ice cream and they want <laughs> we already have volunteers and they want ice cream, uh, I would not they want ice cream with sprinkles. I would not hand them a bowl of sprinkles with a little bitty piece of ice cream on it. Right? The sprinkles are there for garnish to add a little extra color and flavor to, you know, but if you get the ice cream, you want you get the meat of what you want, and then you add the sprinkles on top. That's what I'm talking about. We can do a lot of these things as long as we are certain that our purpose is aligned in the Word of God first, and then we add on it, as we know that as we proceed, we're doing it for the right reasons and in the right way. Does that make sense to everybody? All right, so um, the, the problem is that modern churches many times and pastors will try to elicit emotions from people, okay? We want this 
you know, uh, worship Jesus is my boyfriend, and uh, and and we want everybody to get emotional and and cry and, and blow in their hanky, right? And uh, and then and then we want to beef up our statistics because nothing feeds the ego of pastor like statistics. How many how many people we had show up today, and how many baptisms, and and how many salvations? When we never actually stop and consider, well, have we discipled this person to the point that we know that they're walking with Christ? Or we just, oh, well, you repeated a prayer? Well, then you're saved. We're done here. Uh, there's a little more to it than that. Discipleship and leading someone to Christ go, go hand in hand, okay? So, um, again, we like to pump those numbers up. Also, you've probably seen this, model-driven churches. So years ago, there was the purpose-driven life book, and then there was the whole movement of the purpose-driven church. And then every church that I knew of went to these conferences where they learned how to be the purpose-driven church, and they came back and they all had this cookie-cutter approach to how they were going to reach people, all right? And that is nothing but regurgitation. It is not divine revelation, all right? And what I wanted to be a part of, because frankly, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. Do you? I, if I'm putting my efforts and and my heart into something in the body of Christ, I want to make sure that I'm part of something that is truly biblical and purposeful and, and that I don't play games. Because frankly, a lot of people just play games. And I don't want to play games. I want to live my life to the fullest, as they say in sports, I want to leave it all on the field. You know, that when I step from this life into the next, the Lord will say to me, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So I, that is where my heart was. So as I see this, you know, um, the marketing of the church, and instead of preaching the gospel, it was disturbing to me. And that, but from that is where God led me then to this calling of planting churches. And that is what Right Star Church is all about, is to be biblical rather than cultural. Do you understand? To be biblical rather than cultural. Um, praise and worship here will never be confused with the concert. As a matter of fact, beginning next week, we're going to do something different than probably you've ever experienced before. When I was a kid, um, and probably your experience was that there was one man standing up here doing this, and we were... We were all reading out of a hymn book, right? And then he'd always say, everybody stand on the fourth stanza. And like, raise your hand if you've ever been a part of that. You've ever, yeah, everybody pretty much. So that was the culture at the time. Well, my heart is that when we worship, we worship as a congregation. And we have to think through the consequences of having people on a stage as if it's a concert. If we can transition past the one guy at the front singing out of hymn books, then let's transition and grow and worship as a body of believers and family. And starting next week, these folks won't be up here looking at you. That will set the system up backwards, and we're all going to sing as a family together. The lyrics will be up here, so they'll still they'll still lead, but you won't be looking at them and then staring back at you like the deer in the headlights. Okay? We are going to worship Jesus as a family, as a local body. Okay? I know it's going to be a little weird, but remember how weird this was. Okay, we'll get used to it. Okay, and every once in a while, we may act, ask you to stand on the fourth stanza. Okay, so we worship to focus on the majesty of Jesus and God the Father and His amazing attributes, knowing Him 
and expressing our love and awe of Him in our worship together. So it's never going to be about what's actually happening up here uh, and we'll never be tempted to entertain, okay? It'll always be about Christ. So we don't ever want to get those confused. We will always be a unique body of local believers with our own fingerprint, okay? Uh, in some ways, as I said, quite different than anything you've experienced before. But please, and this is inevitable, I know it, because we all want to go back to what we're comfortable to. Please don't come in and try to change Bright Star to be just like every other church that you remember from your days gone by, okay? The, you know, the, we all have wonderful memories, but we're not called to go back there and try to recreate something. This is a completely different culture, and we need to be listening constantly to the Holy Spirit and reading the Word and know how we as a body of believers should interact with our modern culture based on a biblical model, model and not ever substitute it for something that we think will just grow the church. Because growing the church is not the goal unless the growth is in the right way for the right reasons and their true converts. Amen? All right. So, we are charting a course that God has laid out before us, and here's the big takeaway. God doesn't need us to be clever for Him. God is capable. In the Word of God and the preaching of the Gospel, He is capable of bringing every single person to a saving knowledge of Him. We just have to spread seed, scatter seed. So when people come in here, we preach the Word of God unapologetically. We worship in a way that rejoices and lifts up the name of Jesus, and people will be saved. We do not have to manipulate them into the kingdom. Amen? Yeah. All right. Uh, when we do that, y'all, when churches do that, they miss the whole point. And, and uh, here's the deal. This is the thing that I think about. When, when we have folks that are so tied into cultural church rather than biblical church, then what happens to that person when the church begins to face real persecution in the world? What are they going to do if they have no biblical foundation and it's all been cultural and then there is actual real persecution, which I believe in the future is coming, okay? Kids that are raised on entertainment, churches that are void of the true gospel, where will they be when they go off to college and their professors just absolutely destroy their belief system or their shallow belief system because they have not been taught how to defend their faith biblically, okay? When all the entertainment, the pizza parties, and the video games, when all that's vanished, right? I'll tell you exactly where they'll go. They'll go out into the world. They'll walk away from their faith, uh, their faith that was shallow and, and probably not even real to begin with, okay? And they're going to trade the true gospel for a humanistic gospel of social justice or whatever the thing is that's happening out there right now, the the, the cultural morality that they're, you know, climate change or you name it, whatever the, the humanistic religion of the day is, that's where they're going instead of knowing who they are in Christ. All right? God, listen to this, God has called us to offer the bread of life. If your child came to you and was hungry, right, you would not give them if you're a good parent, you would not give them cotton candy. If they truly needed nourishment from food, you would not give them cotton candy. The church has been called to give the bread of life and not cotton candy. 
The church has been called to give the living water and not Mountain Dew, okay? And that's, that's the danger, is that we're giving, people come here for the bread of life and the living water, and we give them, and we give them cotton candy and Mountain Dew. That's not going to sustain them. It may, it may give them a sugar high for a little while, an emotional high for a little while, but when that wears off, they're going to crash. That's the danger, folks. That's the danger. So it should always flow from truth. Jesus is enough. The Word of God is sufficient. Amen? All right. Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8. I always plan on doing short sermons, y'all. Uh, and it never works out that way. So thank you for being patient, and thank you for being uh, great students of the Word. I am too. Uh, Colossians 2.8. Paul has a warning. He says, See to it that no one, including pastors and churches, takes you captive or a prisoner to your thinking, your thoughts, by philosophy, which is man's way of thinking as opposed to God's truth, or empty deceit. And there, these are empty promises that are made by a lot of pastors and denominations out there today. They tell you, well, if you do this, this, and this, then this is going to be the result, as if we're Harry Potter, and if we say the right words in some incantation, it's going to bring about a reality. That's not the way it works. We submit to the Lord and His sovereignty no matter what, and whatever comes uh, down the road at us, we know that He is sovereign and that we're invincible because we're eternal. So you can take me out, you know, you can take me out of this world, but I'm living forever, right? This body may die for now, but it's going to be resurrected. That's why we can, as Christians, not fear anything that life throws at us. Amen? We don't have to be afraid. So he's saying, uh, uh, don't be caught up in this empty deceit, those empty promises, according to human tradition, according which are man's clever attempts, as I've been talking about, uh, at holiness through works, or cleverness in trying to, to build these uh, you know, big, huge megachurches on the wrong foundation, okay? And again, megachurches aren't bad. If they, I, I want to make that clear. I'm not bashing. I'm saying if the foundation is on a, a biblical nature, then it's the right kind of growth, okay? And then it says, he says, according to the elemental spirits of the world. And this is demonic, satanic, spiritual influence within our culture that is infiltrating your mind and the body of Christ as a whole if we allow it to. This is why we must operate biblically and not culturally. And that is what will be true about Bright Star Church. The Bible, uh, to be biblical, is to know that the power of the true growth and real life transformation. To be biblical, if you know that the power comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ first and foremost, and I'm asking you, as a, as a part of this family, if you so choose to be a part of this family, to help me protect that fiercely in all of these things that we're going to talk about today. We need to understand that getting off balance in any area will lead a local church to its destruction. So here we have to create a culture. We have to work as a team, all right? And, and I'm just going to tell you, I've been a Christian since I was five years old. I've been in church my whole life. I've, until, until our church uh, in, in Texas, when we purposed to do this from the beginning, every church that I've been a part of had some sort of terrible, you know, at some point, political event or breakup or people angry and split the church or getting mad, okay? But we have to create a culture here together 
where we are absolutely deliberate and purposeful to make the gospel of Jesus Christ the priority. We have to make it the priority. And we will walk that line together, holding one another accountable so that this body will never get off course. And it takes all of us, okay? J.R.R. Tolkien wrote this. I love this quote. You've probably heard it. The quest stands upon the edge of a knife. Stray but a little, and it will fail. To the ruin of all. Yet hope remains while the company is true. So it's accountability. It is it's keeping your eyes on the purpose and the mission like it's the edge of a knife. And being ever so careful to keep your eyes on Jesus and walk the line. And together, the company is true. We hold one another accountable. I ran into a friend, an old friend at Walmart the other day from a church that I used to serve at here in Tulsa. And, uh, and she said that they, in the last 20 years, they've been through three major church splits and breakups that have been just devastating. I'm here to tell you that because of our nature, that will help. That will happen every single time if the church operates on anything other than preaching the gospel, worshiping Christ alone, and holding one another accountable to walk that straight and narrow and keep it about the gospel. So let me ask you these questions. Do you want a local church that's all about people's feelings? About pandering to people's feelings? What about one that bows to their offenses? What about one that bows to a victim mentality that's so prevalent in our culture? What about bowing to someone's need to be in control? Or their personal preferences? Well, I don't like that the singers aren't facing us. We don't want to go here because the singers aren't facing us. Well, all right. I mean, as uh, my, uh, my dad used to say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Right? If you can't keep it, it's a good one. If you can't keep it about what's real, then uh, then you don't have to be here. And I, I mean that with all the love that my heart can muster. We are a unique body of Christ that will operate for His glory and His glory alone. And the moment you start making it about you and your personal preferences, that's when we start getting off course. That's what I mean by we all have to do this together as a team. The problem with bowing to people's preferences, by the way, is that John wants to do it one way, and Bill wants to do another, and Gertrude is, is going to talk your ear off until you do it her way, and Jane is going to tell you how she wants it done, and as a pastor, you're like, okay, well, whose preferences do I bow to, right? So you can't do that. You just can't do that, all right? Uh, that stuff is minuscule in the grand scheme of things. The way we... The way we sing, and the, you know, the way we do things, the way we operate, those things don't mean anything. What means the top priority must be the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to get it all out in the open, and, you know, up front at the very get-go. So you guys know what we're going to be about and how we're going to operate. Each family can make a decision of whether or not this church is a church that you want to be a part of. And if you decide that it's not then no harm, no foul, right? Just as I said, please go find a church home where you belong, where you feel like you belong and people love you and you feel comfortable with the way they do things, right? And they're teaching the Word of God, hopefully. You won't hurt my feelings. I, I will still hug your neck when I see you in Walmart. I promise you. 
I would still go to dinner with you later on. I don't get my feelings hurt. You know, you, if you, if you, even if you try to hurt us, my my mission in life is is to know that I forgive people and I hold no grudges when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, I keep going here. I keep chasing rabbits, but I think it's important. So hopefully, look, if you guys get done before I do, you can just leave, okay? And watch the rest on online, okay? Uh, each of us have to be on the alert for the signs of us falling into our own flesh. And we have a zero, we have to have a zero tolerance policy for the enemy's schemes, and we cannot give the enemy a foothold whatsoever. Okay? Um, the worst thing in the world is that one of us would be used by the enemy to tear something apart that God's trying to do. I want you to turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. This is, again, Paul. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, just, just using that terminology, like I am, I am in chains of righteousness. My life is all about following Christ and doing what he's called me to do. I am a prisoner of the Lord. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So walk in a way that reflects that you love Jesus with all your heart. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have to fight for unity in the body of Christ. With humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance, because we love one another, we make sacrifices for one another in our actions and in our deeds toward one another. We look past one another's quirks and imperfections. That's what I'm going to ask you to do for me. I lose my keys sometimes. I misplace I misplace my keys. I'm not the most organized person in the world. I can give you a list as long as my arm about imperfections. You're not telling me anything new. Right uh, when you when you want to want to uh, ding me with something that I that I goof up because I goof up a lot. So y'all need to know your leader, your pastor is imperfect. Let's get that out in the open to begin with. Guess what? So are you. So so. But the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that we look over one another's quirks and imperfections and and things. And, and because we love one another, we fight for unity. We sacrifice our own personal preferences for the good of the whole family. So I want to break this down quickly. We must be diligent, which, which is eagerness, passion, and with speed to preserve, which is to guard or to watch over the unity, which is oneness or togetherness. And summed up, what this is saying is quickly, with eagerness and passion, we have to guard and watch over the spirit of peace that binds us all together as one body. That is our job. That is each of our individual jobs in the body of Christ, that we do not fall into these traps. If we don't, it is only a matter of time before fall, uh, things fall apart and people get chewed up and spit out and there are wounded people lying in the wake of a church that was meant to bring he uh, healing and wholeness in Christ and instead, because we are selfish and fleshly, we are hurting people and destroying their lives. That's not what we're meant to be. The church is not supposed to hurt people. Now, 
in closing, I want to lay out a few things here I want you to pay attention to and take notes if you can. If not, if you have a, a memory that can just you know memorize them all, that's great too. But these are the things that we need to guard against, okay? These are the things we need to guard against. Number one, failure to preach the gospel, as I've been talking about the whole time. We cannot lose our first love. Our whole purpose is to share the power of the gospel of grace for those who do not know that Jesus died for them, okay? Number two, failure to pray. I ask you to pray. First and foremost, what we are doing here is a spiritual endeavor. And we have to prepare our hearts and ask for the Lord's mighty hand in everything that we do. Alright? Uh, pray that we would be a city on a hill. Number three, failure to rightly divide the word of God. We will take a proper, historical, and literal approach to scripture. God's word is inerrant. It is infallible. It has no mistake. It was not written by human hands. It was divinely inspired. We will stand on that. We will not allegorize it. We study the whole counsel of God in its entirety from Genesis to Revelation in its proper context. This will be a challenge for all of us because all of us have been raised a certain way with certain denominational beliefs or raised a certain way taught by our parents or people that we admire. But folks, let me just tell you, I'm the same way. we got to go with what the Word of God says. So if we see something that contradicts how we've been brought up and we see it, uh, uh, in its context, then we submit first and align our lives with the truth of the Word of God rather than our upbringing and the things that we've always thought. Okay? And that's how you bring unity. It's like, well, I've always thought it was this, but gosh, I mean, it's in black and white and it's the divinely inspired Word, and I don't see any way around that, so that's got to be the truth. I submit to your Word, Lord. That's the way it works. Okay? Number four, failure to refer to 129. Paul lists gossip in a long list of not-so-great characteristics of someone that he calls depraved, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. So he describes all of them and says they are gossips. So all of these things we need to understand can be rolled up and tied into the condition of our heart towards other people and our local family, and we need to make sure that we're holding our tongue and that we're not, it's okay to be frustrated and, and upset or, you know, when things don't go the way we think they ought to. It's taking it a, a, a step too far when we vocalize that frustration in a way that doesn't honor God. Now, I will tell you, I will always have an open door. If you've got an issue with something I've done, or said, or you think it's not biblical, whatever, come to me in love, and let's sit down and let's discuss it. I'm here. I'm not afraid of those tough, uh, those tough uh, conversations, okay? Number five, failure to quell power struggles and politics within the church. This is when someone's ego attracts allies and then creates factions within the church, and they begin to try to wrestle power from the leadership in the church, or vice versa. And this can come top-down, like pastors and elders and deacons and all toward the body, or it can come from the body from the bottom up, uh, where there are committees or whatever, and there's a power struggle, and they're trying to usurp the leadership of the pastor. It happens all the time. We need to understand and be protective against those kinds of attitudes, because it hurts the entire body, and eventually comes the downfall. Who's been a part of something like that? 
nod your head. Yep, all of you. That's what I thought. So let's not pretend that it doesn't happen in just about every church we've ever been a part of. But if we are careful and we work together as a local body who loves one another and fights for unity, we can keep those things off in the fringes to where it, the crack won't cause a break through the dam. Okay? And that's going to take all of us. Number six, failure to be transparent. Nothing will be hidden. Everything is out in the open. All you have to do is ask. If you want to know about finances, then check your heart. Are you trying to be a busybody? Are you trying to, you know, are you trying to cause issues? But let me just tell you, once we get the, the money stuff going, we've already got someone who's volunteered to take care of that. There's always going to be accountability. Uh, but you are welcome to ask, and we will show you that it's an open book. Okay? You have to be able to trust your leadership and, and people who are uh, in charge of all that. And also, if there's ever a moral failure, whether it's someone in the body or someone on staff or myself, that will not be swept under the rug and kept hush-hush. The body will be told about that uh, immediately, okay, in an appropriate way. Number seven, failure to be a selfless culture. And I've talked a lot about this today. Some people insist on getting their way from the worship style to the order of service. And knowing that we all want to stay on the straight and narrow, our mission and vision, again, trust your leadership. And if you can't trust the leadership in place, then honestly, it's going to be really difficult for you to be a part of the body in a way that is helpful to the, the whole body. Okay? So if you can't trust the leadership, it's best to go find the church where you can. All right? And that's not, I'm not telling you, get out of Dodge. I'm telling you, you pray about it and make that decision. If you can't be part of the body in unity, then go find you a church family where you can belong. All right, number eight, failure to confront when needed. Now, this is something that is, um, that is rarely done, but read scripture. There's something called, um, um, you know, church um, discipline. Thank you. Couldn't think of the word. Church discipline, all right? Uh, and, and too many churches and pastors want to turn the blind eye and, 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 as I said, sweep issues under the rug rather than deal with them outright. And as your pastor, here's the thing. If I find that you are falling into some sort of habitual sin that is going to destroy your life, you can be assured that you and I will have a talk. Okay? I will come to you. And we will have a conversation because I love you and I love your family and I've seen families destroyed over and over and over again. So if that is something that you don't like, if I, if I hear or someone tells me that we know it's a fact that so-and-so is caught up in this thing or they're doing this thing or they're running around with this person or whatever, we're going to have a private conversation and we're going to talk about that so that we can ask the Lord to guide us forward. And then if there is a failure, we'll walk you through a process of restoration because we love you. We're not just going to boot you out. Now, if you're in leadership, you're going to have to step down, as I would if I uh, fail and do something in that manner as well. So we have to understand we're the local body who loves one another, and there's nothing that we will not do for one another, even if it means having hard conversations. Amen? That's, that's a family. That's a family. Um, number nine, failure of giving into fear. This is losing members or losing money or pressure from the government. 
or pressure from public outcry when we talk about things that are culturally acceptable but biblically at odds okay we will not we will not place our stamp of approval on things that the bible says is wrong okay and that doesn't mean that we're gonna stand out on the corner with signs you know but what it means is uh, we're going to hold one another accountable and we're going to preach the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Most churches will cave uh, if it affects their attendance or if it affects their giving. All right? Um, but, but folks, I, I mean this with all my heart. If all we have is seven people, my family plus two more, and that's all that shows up because that's all that wants to hear the truth, and that's all that wants to serve God in a local body where they're not afraid of the government or the, they're not afraid of public pressure, then that's what I'll do. That's what we'll do. Okay? So I'm asking for you, we will be what God has called his local church to be in a biblical nature, not in a cultural nature. All right? Again, we have our own unique finger, fingerprint. And we're going to cover all of that next week. Um, now, I had this a second list of things that um, there are five. Um, core values that we will promote in this family, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here and I'm gonna ask you to go to our Facebook page because I posted them this morning and I want you to pray through those things. Five core values of who we are and what we want to be as a as a local body. And I want you to pray about those things and and then and then because this is who we are going to be. And then if you so choose to be a part of this local body, then go all in. And that is that is loving one another. Everything we've discussed, that's giving. All right? Decide what God has led you to give. That, um, and, and then y'all do it together as a family and support the local mission of this church. I think next week you're going to be excited about some of the things we talk about, the direction we want to go in reaching the community outside the walls of the church. We've got some great talent in this church. And we're going to use those talents and gifts for the Lord out in the community. And we're never going to get worship and production and entertainment mixed up. Amen? All right, let's pray. Let's give God the glory. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, our heart is to be the church that you have called us to be. Lord, when you said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Lord, that is what we want to be. Uh, standing boldly, proclaiming the truth of your word loving one another fiercely and fighting off the attacks of the enemy, Lord. That is who we want to be. So, Lord, give us strength and boldness and wisdom to do exactly what you have called us to do. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.